The Courage to Grow is business. The Big Small Business Show made possible by MTN Business, a new world of business. And by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Lead your industry with a responsible partner. Partner with the CASA today. A warm welcome to the big small business show. And the reason I say big small business show is because some people just call it the small business show. But it's not that. It's the big small business show. Now on our menu today we have our regular panel discussion. And today we have a family business. A father and son, Jan and his son, Komotso Mamunyani from Mamunyani Construction. And uh, this business is going through a transition where they're trying to move from just uh, a tender business to try and go into the private sector, public to private sector, a theme that's come up quite often over the last couple of months on the show. Today is our last interview with Dr. Nick Erbel in our leadership series, and our topic for discussion is nation building leadership. Stay with us as it's all about unity, whether it's in your family, in your business, or in the country. Now, our expert slot today, uh, we talk with the winners of the MTN App of the Year competition, Fikile Khobo and uh, Arne van Helden from Standard Bank, and they are joined by Mandisa Ntloko from MTN Business. Now, this is uh, our panel section where, where we assist uh, small businesses with issues that they might be having uh, on their journey. Uh, with me in studio, and I'm not going to. I'm actually going to start off with you t- today. Is our marketing guru, who's uh, in her leopard outfit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously, a sign she might be aggressive today uh, is Mona Lisa Sam, who is our marketing guru. And speaking about aggression, we have Kumaran Padiachi, who is our. Well, don't give me that look. Don't be aggressive. Okay. I'll sort you out. <laughs> <laughs> he, of course, is our, uh, what are you? The finance guru, the finance guru. He can add, subtract, Don't put multiply, <laughs> and do all sorts of things like that. Very clever guy. Now, our guests in studio today are Jan and uh, his son, Komotso Mumunyani from Mumunyani Construction. This family business, founded in the year 2000, offers solutions in anything and everything that involves bricks, whether it's uh, building malls, townhouses, renovating buildings in a, in a zoo or refurbishing restaurants. Let's have a look. Mamunyane Construction is a company that provides concrete fabrication, including commercial and residential foundations, building of houses and malls, repairs as well as renovations. The company also creates house slabs and driveways for residential, trailer path foundations and other building work. After being retrenched from his previous job, the founder of the company, Jan Mamonyane, took it upon himself to start his own construction company. He recognized the need to keep taking steps to develop a comprehensive infrastructure designed to make it not just a company with a safety policy, but also a safe company. My entire life in terms of working, it has been in construction. And then even though I wasn't on my own business, but I, I, I was more familiar in terms of what is going on in construction and then I'm able to, to read the plan and everything in terms of how the building is all in about. 
there were some challenges whereby sometimes we run out of projects, but uh, when we get projects back, and then people always uh, prefer to come back, even when they're working for other people. The company was founded in March 2000, making turnover of over 6.5 million rand in the last financial year, with a permanent staff complement of 8 and 30 casuals on site. My dad, I would say, he's a very good leader, first of all, very creative and very visionary. The immediate thing I learned about my father is that he's, he's all about idea meritocracy. Basically, the best idea wins. If you really have something that you want to do, he'll back you and you can just do that. All you have to do is you have to back it up with hard work. You have to be um, really serious about doing it. And then he'll just let you do it. When I came here, it was like, at first it was difficult. I, like, I was so confused. <laughs> I had to learn a lot. But my experience here has been wonderful. Right now, we're on, I mean, this, our CIDB grading is on five. So I would like to see us go on nine <laughs> and things like that and do more works. Manyani Construction, we've done a lot of work with them. We've done three developments with them and we will use him again as soon as our next property comes up for development. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure working with him, not having him work for me. He's honest, his um, timekeeping is great, he's, uh, he's on budget, his wastage is minimal. Uh, he's got great foremans that uh, work for him that I can interact with easily and comfortably. With the objective to operate nationally with most members being from historically disadvantaged communities, Mamunyani Construction also seeks to expand their client base, receiving more big corporate projects to work on. I would like to, to see Mamunyani Construction uh, being graded at 9 uh, CIDB whereby there's no limit, there's no longer a limit for the company in terms of any work that we, we would like to commit on in terms of tenders and all in that, but more in, in private. We would like to engage more in private because we think that's where we can utilize the space there, uh, compete with the sharks out there. Jan Khomoto, welcome. Thank you very much. Very, very impressive uh, journey that uh, you've gone on so far. Now, uh, just, just to be clear now, C the CIDB rating, for those of you don't, who don't know, and Nine is one of the big companies on CIDB level nine, right? And one is a new entrant, and every, every level has got a certain limit in terms of the size of the contract project you, uh, project you can do. So yes. just... Let's explain to, to the viewers, at, at level five, what does that mean in terms of what is the size of the projects um, and, and how do you get to a level six? Okay, level five, it means that uh, as is categorized by CIDB, you can do a project up to uh, 6.5 million. Okay, so your revenue that I spoke about in the, in the insert was at 6.5 million. Does that mean that you've done one project in, in the past year or have you done multiple projects at smaller uh, revenues? We have done a project uh, up to 18 million but uh, on, on grading we are 5GB PE meaning that we can we are on a category of 6.5 million so we are still on a process of uh, upgrading 
to what we have done previously, recently. To, to, a, 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 to a six? We'll now be going to six years. Oh, to a six, okay. Um, I want to understand the structure. You spoke about eight people in the business, a permanent business, uh, permanently in the business, right? And 30 people on site. That was the numbers. Could you just give me a sense of the organogram? There's you, okay? Your role, I, I'm guessing, is CEO or MD of the business? Yes. Right. Uh, just could you just give me the, the, the structure of the business? Okay, it's me as a CEO, and then we've got a project manager. Right. And then we've got a, a, a team of uh, office administration. Yes. There's uh, two ladies there. Right. With uh, one senior manager there. Right. And then we've got a, a, a three drivers okay. on, 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 on sites. And then we've got a, a, a four site formings. Okay. So nowhere in that structure have you got anyone who is dedicated to sales? Apparently, we um, with the office, uh, we are the one doing that, not who? specifically. You? you? Who does the sales? Who gets the sales? Who goes out and looks for business? It's me. It's you? Yes. Okay. And, and what's, uh, what's your role? So what I'm being groomed for is to basically manage, help ma with managing and creating the systems and processes to help us grow the business. And one of the key things I want to focus on is the sales and getting the sales from the private yeah. sector. Because traditionally, we've been getting sales from tendering. Yeah. So now we want to diversify into the so private sector. So for the audience, the question to us is that you'd like to shift from public sector to private, commercial to project. Private, yeah. Is it an entire shift or is it a complementary? What's your intention? It's to add to what we have. Add. Okay. Okay. Melissa, questions from you? So obviously, I mean, I mean, um, not to use the word obviously. I would, I would imagine that in the current um, way of procuring work, um, it's it's straight from um, you know what tenders are available. You don't necessarily interact with um, the clients that you are prospecting in order to sell your prospects and sell your businesses. How how does that? Because uh, I know there's limitations in terms of how you sell yourself to the public sector. Yeah, you see, in tenders, you, it's not much that you do in terms of selling yourself, but you just comply with the tender requirements. Okay. Right. That's where the difference is. Okay. Yeah. We've got to take a break now, but uh, after the break, we'll continue with more questions for Yana Komoto. Welcome back. Now, our guests in studio today are Jan and Komoto from Momanyane Construction. They offer total solutions in the construction industry, specializing in brickwork. Before the break, we were discussing uh, the structure of the business and where business comes from, and Kumaran was asking also what the intention is in terms of where they want to strategically move the business, and that was from the public sector to the private sector. Let me just kick off and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, Manalisa, to, to uh, uh, carry on after this. The, 
I, I'm a little confused because in the insert, you had some, was that individual or that uh, the client there, was that from the p private sector or the public sector? He's from private. Private sector. Yes. And how did you get him as a client? It was through, not referral, but what happened, his brother, yes. uh, he saw us building a house in Benoni, and then his, his house was built just uh, next to that house. So he was, he, he was more impressed on how the time frame and then even the quality of our work. And then he, at some stage, he got my number from my workers. Yes. And then he called me. He was about to build uh, 16 units in, in Global Park. Okay. And he, uh, he approached me, he called me, we set up a, me, uh, a, meet, a meeting, and then he explained to me with the plans that he has and the plan for building those uh, 16 units there. And then I gave a quotation which he, we tend to agree on to it, and then we did a project for them. That was the first project which I did okay. for them. I, I, I did say the next one, but I have to sneak one <laughs> in. On average, every year, how many projects are you doing? One, two, five projects a year. How many in total number of projects? Not the value, the actual number of projects in a year. Average, last three years. The last uh, three years, is, it was not quite good, but uh, yeah, we, I will estimate two or three. Two, three a year. Yeah. Okay. Now, you go. <laughs> Sorry. <There we> go. <laughs> I don't know if this question, I, I think it's more for Homoto, but I know you're currently being groomed. Um, you know, it's always good to come from the outside in. Obviously, you have a personal relationship with your dad. But have you been able to identify within the current uh, structure and the current, because um, you're saying you're needing to build systems so that you can attract new clients. Have you been able to attract, um, I mean, identify what sets your, your, your family business apart because it's a very competitive space. Definitely. Um, I'd say by, by far it's the quality of service. As he stated, the way we've gotten one of our major private clients was through quality of service and the speed at which we can do that service. And now what we can also keep quality workers because um, my dad is really a good leader in terms of how he treats his workers as well. So those three things really uh, break us apart from the rest. And then in your view, because Alain would, you would say that 10 other businesses would say the exact same thing, that they also specialize in quality of service. Now, what is that differentiator that you need to identify or have identified that becomes a proposition to the private sector? So. What our private clients are really concerned about is the quality of service and their budget. Mm. So if we can keep our work under budget and we do it quickly, that really reduces the budget and now we can also improve of the quality of, of our service as well. Me coming into the business as well for the next year is to now get my dad to work more with what he's good at. The experience comes there with getting the quality in and doing uh, the projects quicker. You know, we've seen this before where business uh, uh, in that chair wants to change target market or add target market. It sounds simple, but it's not necessarily so. So I want to concentrate my comments and questions in the next part of the session on that. Don't summarize, come on. Don't summarize, huh? Okay, I won't. <laughs> Let me frame this as a question. <laughs> tenders, are you meaning public sector tenders or also corporate tenders? Both. Both. Have you won any uh, corporate tenders? Yes. Uh, when we were doing Zoom in Pretoria, it was through tender. Mm. So 
If I leave out the tenders for a moment and say you want to add on by the corporate side or the commercial side, let's call it, mm -hmm. is it residential? Is it corporate? Is it out mass? Uh, what aspect? Because it's also, you know, private Capital sector is different, right? Yes. So residential is different. Tell me, have you got any thoughts on that? It's more on the commercial side. So now the building of warehouses, um, um, office blocks, and the, the likes of those buildings. And it, is in your mind, is the high activity at the moment in new, smaller commercial and industrial construction? Yes, so what's currently happening is, especially if you drive down this way to Johannesburg from Pretoria, you see that there's a lot of um, office parks being built. You see a lot of parkings as well being built. So that's the space that we could enter into as well. And so you go about getting attended in a particular way, right? You check the websites, check the newspapers, it's reactive a little bit, check does it fit me, you apply. Yes. In your mind, what would be different in shifting to adding on the commercial side. Is there a difference? And what is it? So, so the big problem is that the information we don't really have. What, what we know as far as that there's a lot of relationship management. Mm -hmm. uh, so through that, that's where we, how we can get exposed to clients that are actually building these properties. But as it stands, we, we don't know how to enter into that market. Right, okay. All right, any more questions before we go to summaries? I think I'm good. You're good. Okay, well, you're good. Yes. And you're well done for not summarizing. Uh, we have to take a break now. We'll be right back with our summary straight after this. And we're going to start with you, Kumaran. A warm welcome back. Now, our guests in studio today are Jan and Komotso from Mamonyane Construction. They offer total solutions in the construction in industry, specializing in brickwork. Now, before the break, we were discussing uh, what Manelisa, I think, was angling in on was the differentiator, what uh, differentiates them in the market. Kumaran uh, was going down a slightly different route in terms of whether it's wise uh, to. Uh, look at a different strategy and if they go for a different sector what would the uh, competencies required be? Yes, so often we as entrepreneurs, all of us, the proverbial we, think that what we do, the what of the business defines our approach and our methodology. For me it's more about the who we do it for. I've said this before that defines it, right? So you may say well I'm in construction, I'm doing it for public sector and now I'm doing it for commercial, there's nothing fundamentally changing. And I'm saying because the who changes from a tender public sector type of thing to a commercial, it is a fundamental change. It's almost like you're going from construction into making tea, right? So don't be confused to say, well, I'm still doing construction, there's nothing changing in the business. It's because the way you approach and, and the way you market and the way you're going to price and the way you're going to brand and position yourself to a commercial market is 180 degrees different from how you would do so for the public sector. Don't underestimate that. I'm using a very crude example here to prove my point. You know when uh, uh, Bruce Jenner changes to Caitlin, it wasn't just a name change. There's something else fundamentally that changed down there, right? So. <laughs> Likewise, this is a fundamental change. It's more than just a target market uh, switch. And so there's a kind of a studying up 
and a new learning process around that. It's, 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 a, it's the, probably going to be the biggest shift in your business, whether it's right or not. But that's, don't underestimate that. That's a good summary. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, latching on to what Kumar is, is saying, maybe I should direct this, I mean, to both of you, but especially you, Homoto, coming in. Just imagine yourself in a room of your ideal clients in the private sector, all of the ones that you've envisioned, all of the ones that you imagine yourself working for. It sounds a little bit uh, artistic, but now think about what is it that is going to make you stand out? Because you mentioned a very important word, relationship management, which is not a specialization you would need to build or have in the public sector. It's all criteria and, and all of that. Now imagine yourself in that room and what it is that you need to say. What is it that you're going to say that is going to stand out and keep their interest and say, I want to work with this business. This is the business that I, I want to be associated with. All of the things that you spoke about, quality of service, and those things are already, it's, it's a must-have. So there's no, they can't deviate from that. But what is it that is, that is so important to your business that you're already doing or you want to do that you're going to sell to stand out in that room full of uh, potential? And mind you, other competitors like yourself in the same room. So that's, I, I really encourage you to think in that way. Because I think what the, the, the core public world or public sector just narrows our thinking and doesn't allow us to be creative and, and really identify what differentiates our businesses. So that would be my summary for you. Yeah, from, from our point of view, I also dovetail into to both my colleagues here. You know, when I started off the, the question around the organogram, mm. what I was really asking is, like, how serious are you about doing this? Because your organogram, to me, tells, uh, says a lot about uh, form follows function. You know, they both talk to each other. So if you're saying that I want to go and get sales in, in, a, in, in a new place, in a new area, my question is, like, where does that live in how you design your business? And it's not there. It's not there. For it to reside within one function of what you do is, is not strong enough, in my opinion, to be proactive enough. So the thing where I would go is in terms of the design, I would create a, a function which is sales. You can sit in that sales function as, a, as the same person who sits in as CEO. But the moment you mentally you pull out your organogram to say there is somebody in this business who is in charge of going out and hunting business. And for now, I'm a surrogate. I am in that role for now, but I do that. Then it changes the, the, the way you think about your business because then it's a proactive business that goes out there. So even, you know, it's just as subtle as that as when I ask you, give me the organogram. Mm. You should have said, my head of sales is me. Okay, mm. And that's it's as subtle as that, even though you're doing it in the CEO role. The, th the second thing which I, I, I don't like, in, in the introduction when I introduced you, I spoke about you do all things bricks. And to me that is something, you know, I get why small businesses try to generalize because there's a sense of, you know, the more fishing rods I have out there, the more fish I will catch. I couldn't think of anything more opposite, more counterintuitive than that. In real life, the more specialized you are, the more fish you, you catch. So I would now go from a, coming into this proactive um, mindset. I'm now I've got a sales. I'm looking for uh, the, the, the segment. And within that segment, what is the growth segment within that segment that I want to target and I have a core competency? Then it's literally 
going on and doing the research, hunting down the top 50 names or 100 names of companies that are doing that kind of stuff, and getting on the phone and calling and going after it. So the moment you say, I do all things, well then, you know, what do you do? What do you specialize in? If it is in, I, I, don't, even, I don't know the construction industry well enough, if it is in um, multi-story buildings, I'm just making that, we specialize in multi-story buildings, we're good at slabs, and then, then go after that. Uh, it's being about more, it's be, being about being more proactive and, and deliberate around mm. what you want. And that comes to design, who you target, why you're targeting that person. And I would listen very carefully to the advice of my colleagues here because exactly what they're saying dovetails into that. It changes the nature of how you, uh, what your website looks like, what your marketing looks like, and everything else. After the break, I'm joined by Dr. Nick Erbel, CEO of Reciprocation Marketing Academy, and we're going to unpack nation-building leadership. Stay with us as it's all about unity, whether it's in your family, in your business, or in the country. We'll be right back. A warm welcome back. This is the Big Small Business Show. Now we are continuing part four of our series on leadership with Dr. Nick Ebel. And he is, of course, the CEO of Reciprocation Marketing Academy and the founder of Future of Leadership Forum. Our topic today is a little bit different, and it's about nation-building leadership and how that relates to you, the small business. We're going to find out. Uh, but uh, to unpack this concept of nation-building leadership is uh, Dr. Nick, as you'd like to be called. Welcome. All right, so what is nation-building leadership? What is it? In my view, it's all about unity. And unity is a bedrock, a bedrock of success, whether you look at a family. In fact, if you just look at two people, I mean, if you're just two people in a company, how united are you? How good a team are you? Obviously, unity is key to any team, to a sporting team. It's key to any business team. And it obviously is key to the success and to the prosperity of a nation. And when we talk about unity, are we talking about um, aligned values, aligned vision? What, what are we talking about? Just unpack what we mean by unity. I think what we're looking uh, when we talk about unity is to have a common purpose mm -hmm. and a common understanding what constitutes a better future and how do we get there. Okay. And, and of course, the, is there sacrifice somewhere in there that, that I have to sacrifice and you have to sacrifice in order to achieve? Is, there, is the concept of sacrifice in the word unity? Very much, very much. Because unity always invo involves a great challenge. Mm -hmm. In fact, the more united you are, the greater the challenge. If you think about it, if you have a great challenge, that's what unites people. And the road to conquering that challenge is what really makes it all worth and which fosters that unity. Okay, there are three events. Uh, two have passed. One, one is to come uh, that, that uh, you refer to when talking about this. One is the 95 Rug Rugby World Cup. Talk to me about what you saw there and how, how this relates to the subject. Well, interestingly, what happened in 95, the team, and in fact the team manager, Moni Duplessis, chose the brand promise of one team, one country. And obviously, Mandela also chose the event to unite the country. And what happened, as we all know, now know, is that by winning the World Cup, 
the entire country felt like a winning team. So that's really important is you make, first of all, you win a common challenge. And secondly, you make everybody feel they are part of that common challenge. So everybody is feeling like they are a winner and the winning team is there to demonstrate the sense of winning and the sense of success. And I noticed there that, like, like in our previous conversations, the byline is also important, how you, uh, how you tag the, 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 the vision Absolutely. Is, is important. If you think about 2010, the byline was Kinako, it's time. it's time. Now, it's time to show the world that Africa can host the best World Cup ever and do so much more. Because what happened with 2010, I think what happened is that we showcased to the world that South Africa and Africa is the great destination to visit, it's a great destination to do business, and the great destination and a great place that can compete with the very best. And, and, and people united behind that, that, that promise. Absolutely. With all the challenges, all the sacrifices along the way, the country was incredibly united. Cynics who are watching the show might say, yeah, that it lasted, or the euphoria lasted maybe a couple of months before and perhaps a couple of months after the, the World Cup, both the Rugby and the Soccer World Cup. And then it just basically disintegrated back into what it was, into status quo before. So, so first of all, what is your view? Did it, or is that true in your view? And, and how would we as, as a nation... Um, prevent that from happening again? Well, I need to ask you a simple question. Is love enough? Is love ever enough? When you get married, when you got married with your wife, is love enough to keep the relationship going? It never is. There's more to it. To keep the magic going, uh, you need to have a common vision. You need to have common goals. You need to leverage. And you need to have new challenges. And you need to have the opportunity to grow each other. So we need to leverage. These big events are just a catalyst. That's what they are, they're a catalyst. They are not a destination in itself until all eternity. They're a catalyst and we need to leverage it. So bringing that back to small business now, so do we need to create catalytic events within our small businesses to unite people? And if the answer is yes, what, could, what does that look like? Well, you need to ask yourself, what is your World Cup? Is it to reach a certain turnover? Is it to get this one big client? Is it to win a certain award in your industry? Go after the World Cup, celebrate your own achievements, and then leverage. And I can promise you, the more united your team is, the more successful you will be. It always comes down to unity. And, and just to, to continue the, 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 the reference there, if you create your own World Cup in inverted commas that goal to achieve, it's about sharing the spoils with, with everyone that everyone enjoys an upside. And, and to your, our previous conversations in the previous weeks around Shaka, uh, Shaka, how he, he, he distributed the spoils as well, that there was an upside for everyone involved when there was victory. There's really two key components to unity. First of all, everybody has to contribute to winning the goal. And secondly, everybody has to Participate. Yes. Participate in the spoils. And if you don't have fair and equal participation, you're going to have a problem. So you've got to re consider the, re the rewards and awards from winning your own World Cup. 2018 is um, Madiba's centenary. He would be 100 years old. Is that right? That's and right. going to be... Um, I think you, you believe it's another opportunity for unity, another another 
World Cup moment for, for, for South Africa. Talk to me about that. Well, Mandela, it's the unveiling for his mentor and friend, Walter Zasulu, issued a call to action that has gone fairly unnoticed when he said, let us build a nation of champions. In fact, he said, let us commit to the common goal of building a nation of champions where all of us can be winners. Now, I believe we have that opportunity in this country to build a nation of champions where all of us can be winners. And I think if we apply the lessons from Adiba, this is possible. And we can teach the world how you can build a team that where everybody feels they are winning. Last question for me in terms of the, the practicality back to small business. And, and we, I've created my Inverted Commerce World Cup. We, we, we try and get everyone to participate and everyone to enjoy in the spoils, to be awarded. But there's some people that, that, that don't participate. How, how do, do, is my view that they should be, that they're not part of this, like, um, this dream and they should exit and go to another business where they're more suited? Or is there some way, do you think, I can influence them to participate in, in this common vision? As a leader, you have to keep reaching out and you have to demonstrate your commitment to the greater goal. For example, what Richard Branson did when one of his employees got terminally ill in South Africa. He got on a plane, he flew out, he visited that employee, the lady, he wished her well, and obviously that news spread. And what it did, it demonstrated his commitment to the culture, to the employees, and sent a very strong message. That's what you need to do. That's a good place to end. It's been fascinating four weeks of talking to you about leadership from a completely different perspective. Um, uh, I, I find your insights and your, your ability to describe uh, examples and, and South African examples make it all the more meaningful to, to us as small business people. Thank you for being on my show. Thanks, Aron. Yeah. The sixth edition of the MTN Business App of the Year Award was hosted in October. And after the break, I'm joined by Fikile Robo and Arno von Helden from Standard Bank, who form part of the overall winning team, as well as Bandisa Ntloko, General Manager of Enterprises Marketing MTN Business South Africa. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Big Small Business Show. Now, the sixth edition of the MTN Business App of the Year Awards was hosted in October with a record number of entries to date. There were six category winners, and the App of the Year Award went to the team from Standard Bank for their app called Shift. Joining me now in studio is Fikire Kobe. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. I always love to get that right. <laughs> uh, and uh, Arno van Helden from Standard Bank and Mandisa Ntloko, uh, General Manager of Enterprise Marketing, MTN Business South Africa. Welcome to studio. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Thank you much, Let's start with uh, Mandisa. You are uh, uh, now seem to be a regular on our, uh, on <laughs> our show. It's great to have you here. Um, 
Why do you host, why does MTN host this, this award every year? The reason why we host this, I mean, we've been hosting since 2012, as you mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, it's really to promote um, app developers within South Africa and also to showcase some of the real solutions that they come up with that are dealing with real life, life challenges. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm, I'm going to moving to you, Arno. You are part of the team of uh, that uh, that uh, brought shifts to the world. You know, and um, the bit one of the big I issues is that many apps are, are are very sexy, but no one really uses them. Your your app has a real application in the real world. Tell us more about Shift. Um, well, thanks. Yes, Shift. What Shift aims to do is solve the problem that many, many people experience around the complexity of dealing with foreign exchange. Traditionally, foreign exchange requires a lot of paperwork, um, a lot of standing in queues. So what we try to do is, is, is digitize that experience and take away the pain of making an international payment, uh, shopping online in foreign currency, or getting a, a travel card for when you, for when you travel. Um, and Shift um, puts that experience all into one unique offering called Shift. So, uh, so just effectively what I do is I download uh, that, that app okay, and, and then I link it to, I'm just trying to get to the, the practicality, right. I link it to my account Correct. So uh, and everything works from there? Absolutely. So, so what you do, at the moment it's exclusive to Standard Bank customers, yeah. uh, but when you download the app it's all done uh, through the app. You, you're, uh, you effectively create digital wallets which enables you to purchase foreign exchange. At the moment we offer US dollars, euros, pounds and Australian dollars. And you can, uh, with the touch of a button, purchase foreign exchange up to one million rand annually, uh, store it on your phone, and then utilize that foreign exchange to do various different things that are pertinent to, to your, your user journey. And uh, some people will be asking, do I get the same rate as I would if I, if I went a different route? Well, uh, well absolutely. We, we offer um, amongst the best rates available in the market today. So in fact, uh, um, private banking rates on, on, um, at Standard Bank. Um, and that's something that we want to ensure that we, we, we offer brilliant rates because we want customers to use this product. Uh, and we want to draw customers into our user experience. We believe that the product speaks for itself, but certainly the rates are something that we, we, we want to make sure that we keep that lean. Now, now forget it, STEM. What does that stand for? So STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics. Right. And in this case, we found a really good synergy with uh, MTN after winning the awards in terms of there, uh, there has been a, a rise in terms of females that are entering into these fields. And as part of that, we then decided that with the prize money that we've won from the app uh, competition mm. to sponsor students that are studying towards these fields. Okay, and and uh, I'm just trying to relate this the, uh, the what STEM means in relation to the apps. Sure. What, what what's the connection to, to? So the connection is is the people that are in these fields are the ones that are more likely to be building apps. Okay. And they're the, the ones that are standing at the uh, at the frontier of solving real problems using technology. As we are all aware of the fact that we now have moved into a digital age. So the idea behind that is to help empower and equip women mm. that are in that space so that they can see that it's also possible. Okay. Now Mandisa, we've got two, two big brands in, in, in studio with mm. us. We've got Standard Bank, we've got MTN. They, 
you guys have, are, are working together in terms of, or aligning in terms of crowdfunding. Tell us more about that crowdfunding initiative. I think just before I answer your question there, I think that the one point that I wanted to add is in terms of the app um, competition, yes. we introduced a new category called Women in STEM. Uh -huh. So that's where the whole synergy came came okay, in. I get it, right. And when Standard Bank won the prize, um, they realized that, okay, you know, we're a big corporate. 200K is not really going to break the bank, if yeah. I have to use that, <laughs> that, that, that pun. So they decided to actually, um, together with them, we agreed that they would um, contribute this amount to the, the uh, phoenix.com, which is a crowdfunding um, platform for students who are struggling, especially I'm sure everyone heard about the fees must fall. Yes. So that will fund will be targeted at female students that are in the STEM, uh, are studying STEM related okay. um, degrees. Right, now answer the question around uh, crowdsourcing, the initiative. The crowdsourcing. The, your combination between the two of you, between Standard Bank and MTN. Well, I think that the the the, the Phoenix crowdfunding, not crowdsourcing, crowdfunding. My mistake. Yeah, the the crowdfunding initiative is. Um, I think Standard Bank have decided that to utilize the Phoenix. dot dot org yeah. um, platform okay. to actually put that money into uh, okay. into that into okay. that platform to provide so the. I'm very slow today. It's <laughs> obviously coming to, to the end of the year. Yeah. Now, now talk, is, is speaking about um, slow, some people are very fast, and, and, and that's you, Fikide. You are part of the winning team that, uh, that uh, built this app. What advice? There's a lot of people out there that are now at the point of disillusionment around apps. And I, I opened this up when I spoke to you, Anna, about. about um, the fact that many apps have got no use in the real world, but this really has. What other advice would you give people out there who are building apps in terms of how to design apps? Alan, I would look at what real life problem am I solving? Mm. And more importantly, it's about immersing yourself in those challenges and see and ask your friends. I, I think that's the one thing that we take for granted, yes. that when we build, when we merge technology and, and real life needs, that's when you are able to design and actually uh, come up with something that will win uh, uh, MTN app of the year. And more importantly as well, you need to bring passion. You've got to believe in your product you gotta, you gotta live and breathe it, and you gotta believe and that I you're going to. I just want to pause it because <laughs> I want to tell everyone what they were doing during the break. They were forcing <laughs> me to download the app. That's how passionate these people are. No, but I, I, you're right. You have to have that level of passion. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, but if, if I can add to that, I, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of terms like customer centricity that that you know get bandied around, but um, the reality is in designing our app. Um, yeah. It started with the customer. We, we started engaging with customers and understanding their problems, understanding what mm -hmm. their challenges were, how they experienced things and how they wanted to experience things. And we made a point of continuously throughout the journey going back to customers, showing them what we had done, testing what we had done. And it was only through that that we actually mm -hmm. got to the point we did with, with uh, uh, Shift today. And I think, I think it, it, it's really and understanding the customer, putting the customer at the center of everything that mm -hmm. you do, that actually led us to the point where, where we were so successful with it. 
That's all we've got time for, for today from uh, a whole bunch of very passionate people. Uh, I wish we had more time uh, to speak uh, to you all. Uh, so uh, thank you very much uh, for, for your time and well done to, to both of you and your team that, that helped build this. And, and once again, thanks to MTN for hosting this and, and bringing the, these opportunities uh, to, to market. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Well, it's time for my impressions uh, for today. And today I want to take uh, my impression from the panel interview with uh, Jan and Komozo. And what uh, you didn't see is after we filmed that, uh, there was quite a long break where we were speaking to them off camera. Um, and it was incredible to see how interested Komozo was in reading. Komaran uh, gave him a whole host of books to read in order to increase his uh, knowledge around sales and marketing, which was something we pointed out as a, uh, a requirement for him to grow that business into the future. Now, I want to talk about reading because reading is uh, unfortunately something that's a lost art and I think one of the most important things for successful entrepreneurs. Now, not all people who become successful are great readers, but certainly the majority of them are great uh, readers. And I've just come from the World Economic Forum in um, Dubai recently, and it, it was incredible in this uh, room filled with, we were in a small uh, session room, and this room's uh, filled with probably about 15 of the global experts on entrepreneurship. I probably was the person who had read the least uh, in my time, and I can tell you I'm a profuse reader. So why is reading good? Well, we all know the saying, leaders are readers and we as entrepreneurs are leaders. The first point I want to make here is that, uh, uh, that reading opens your mind to new concepts. It is an incredible way to go into places you've never been before to expose you to different ideas and different concepts. Number two, it re reinforces old concepts, especially, you know, we, we, we get a lot of information. It's great to, to, to hear things from different perspectives around the same concept. It gives you more, almost a 3D view around a certain concept which you're trying to implement in your business. Number three, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read a book, you know, I, the, it seems like it was the right book to read now. You draw from it. What, for what you need to take from it right now. I find books are incredible in just serving you, and, and especially if you've got a mind that, that tries to relate what you're reading to what you do. It, it, it's incredible how any book can serve you where you are right now. Number four is, of course, that they are cheap learning curves. It's so incredible to go and hear the mistakes of others and the learning curves of others and embed them into your own sort of semi-experience where you can make sure that you don't make the same mistakes uh, that others have made before you. And, and the last piece is a bit of a weird one, but it's also a great connecting piece. You know, I was on the plane recently, and the, the guy next to me was reading Shoe Dog, the, the book around Nike, and I had uh, read it recently. And of course, that was the entree for us to start talking. I said, what do you think of the book? Uh, he said, he's really loving the book. And then we started speaking about the book, and of course, that led to a broader conversation, and uh, that then, of course, led to a potential deal. So I'm meeting the guy now uh, for, for a meeting now to do a possible deal based on the fact that we had a common book that was on his lap. Well, that's it uh, for my uh, impressions for today. Now, 
In 2018, we're going to do things differently. I'm going on a roadshow as well. This show is coming to you. We want to come to your offices to see what your issues are in situ. Not here in our fancy studios, but in your hopefully fancy or not so fancy. It doesn't matter what your offices are. We're coming to you. The Big Small Business Show is coming to you. If you want us to come to you, if you want me to arrive at your office and give you exposure to uh, on, on TV and to talk about the issues that you might be having in your business at the time, do make a booking on bigsmall at bdtv.co.za or engage with us on Twitter at bsbs underscore bdtv. It's goodbye from me and remember, if you think it, write it down and make it a reality. Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today. And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business. A new world of business.